the Making Sense of Life podcast number 54. According to J.K. Rowling, life is difficult and complicated and beyond anyone's total control. The humility to know that will enable you to survive its vicissitudes. The Making Sense of Life podcast will not only empower you to navigate through a fast-changing world, but also to grow in body, mind and spirit. Inward change precedes outer transformation. As the ancient Greek author Plutarch once said, what we achieve inwardly will change outer reality. This podcast is sponsored by Logos Medical Legal. Sunil also works privately with senior leaders. Go to drsunil.com forward slash corporate to find out more. Hello and welcome to the Making Sense of Life podcast with me, Sunil Rahija. I'm at a conference for Christian doctors near Stone, Staffordshire, I'm meeting some very fascinating people and it's been a great opportunity to really uh, understand how to integrate faith, my faith in Christ, with uh, my work as a doctor. And one of the interesting people I've met is a lady called Rebecca Doma, who's written a book called Broken But Blessed, Journeying from Pain to Peace with Unlikely Guides. Rebecca, it's great to have you here. Good morning. Yes, thank you. Um, Rebecca is a hospital chaplain. Uh, she's been for six years at St. Michael's Hospice in Hastings, East Sussex. Um, and she's from what's called the Bruderhof Community, which is a church which, whose members live in intentional community, seeking to follow Jesus' command to love God and neighbor. Like the first Christians described in the New Testament, they share their possessions, work together, and worship together so they can put their beliefs and practice in their daily lives. And Rebecca's fascinating in terms of being a hospital chaplain and writing this book about the whole question of suffering and why it's such an important issue for us to grasp and grapple with. And as you know, if you've listened to other podcasts, this is an important question that we ask in, in a world that's increasingly complex and challenging in so many ways. So Rebecca, tell us, why did you write the book? I wrote the book to address the question that many of my hospice patients and their family members asked me, which is, why would a loving God allow me to suffer? Why wouldn't he fix my problem? And, um, and just to say, I mean, that's the question you're talking These are people in hospice who are dying, and so it's not an intellectual question. It's a real, I mean, it really is a life-and-death question. It is a life-and-death question, and um, many of them really are suffering prolonged illnesses, um, and so the question drove me to consider the whole issue of suffering and um, its role in our lives, especially as Christians. And I found the answer to that in my own life through turning to the Beatitudes. Um, Tell us about the Beatitudes. So the Beatitudes are in Matthew chapter 5, and uh, Jesus is from the Jesus Sermon on the Mount. Tell us, tell us more about that. Yes, the Beatitudes are the opening eight um, verses of the Sermon on the Mount found in Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus lays out his, his whole uh, vision and teaching for his disciples. And in the Beatitudes, Jesus really um, lifts up those who are cast down by worldly standards, which I find very fascinating. And um, 
so, so it's so it'd be good to, let, to have you read that to us. But obviously, it's challenging. What is real significance and importance inside of God? It's not power and wealth and prestige. Why don't, why don't you read that to us from Matthew chapter five? Okay, I'm going to just read the introduction to my book, which um, concludes with the Beatitudes themselves. Yes. Okay. Let's 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 do it that way. <laughs> okay. Um, here's the introduction to my book. Why me is the cry I hear most often in my work as a hospice chaplain. Most of us, I imagine, have flung this anguished question heavenward in an hour of despair. Suffering is an enigma, a theme that emerges repeatedly in my encounters with patients, their families, and even the staff who diligently care for them. I've got questions enough myself, but I hold on to the assurance that God is with us regardless of circumstances. His wisdom surpasses our comprehension, and he is weaving a masterpiece in which every life contributes a distinct hue. I'd like to repeat that, in which every life contributes a distinct hue. My own experiences and what others have, have shared with me validate thoughts of Grant Colfax Teller in his well-known poem, The Weaver, where he says, The dark threads are as needful in the weaver's skillful hands as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. Throughout history, people have wrestled with suffering. Would a loving God stand aloof, not lifting a finger to right the world's wrongs? We may not understand much of what life brings our way, but I believe God has a plan for every soul, a unique pathway intended to lead to peace. He has not abandoned us, as we may sometimes feel. He sent us an envoy of love who became one of us. Jesus walked the countercultural road to peace and showed us the way to love. In prayer and the quest for healing, Barbara Fiend says, quote, The strong and ruthless among us will be brought low. End of quote. She goes on to explain that they will encounter personal vulnerability and sin and will in due time be invited to surrender in order to become whole. I'm not a theologian or a Bible scholar, but through my encounters with people who are elderly, disabled, dying, and bereaved, and through my own quest for peace, a particular component of Jesus' teaching, known as the Beatitudes, has become essential. These blessings were spoken to the crowds on a grassy hill in Judea long ago, more than a historical speech, however, they describe the attributes of God's people. According to the Beatitudes, it is the humble who will inherit his kingdom. Beaten down by life, their suffering has honed them, divesting them of pride and opening them to new vistas of righteousness. Whether you consider yourself a Christian or not, you too can be encouraged by Jesus' Beatitudes. And here are the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, 
for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. And blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. My book, Broken But Blessed, is a journey through the lives of ordinary folk. Perhaps you, like one of them, are up against insurmountable odds, battling illness or devastated by loss. You may have been rejected, betrayed, or abused. Whatever you are facing, these people who have walked life's valleys can accompany you through your own valley toward the blessings that the Beatitudes promise us. Mm, those are powerful words, and uh, thank you for, for sharing that and reading that to us. So you're a hospice chaplain. You've worked both in the UK and in New York City. That's right. And um, you talk... So obviously you give a number of different stories in, in the book but I think you, 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 you want to you're going to start with us with your own journey and how that sort of um, impact you do yeah let's, let's, let's hear that okay well um, at the age of 28 my life was going very well I was uh, had a degree in medical laboratory technology I had taken a course in tropical diseases at Harvard Medical School and had been down in Nigeria to set up a tropical laboratory um, I was doing many speaking engagements on behalf of my community. Um, was very competent, capable. And then one afternoon, I suddenly became paralyzed in my left leg, uh, was rushed in and diagnosed with a degenerative spine disease that has changed the course of my life for good. Um, Surgery did bring back some of the use of my leg, but I do have now a permanent disability as well as living in constant pain. Um, at the age of 28, I was not um, enamored with the idea of being disabled and had to battle through a lot of very angry feelings within my own heart and rebellion against the way God was leading my life. And um, I took some time to reflect on what was happening in a convent. And the superior of the convent is actually the one who directed me to the Beatitudes and said that she believes I would find my answer in the first Beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit. And she said, don't you see that God is transforming you so that you can become a child of his kingdom? So when you say blessed are the poor in spirit, how do you understand, how would we say that in, as it were, modern everyday language? Are we talking about, so blessed are those who realize that they're at the end of their resources, at the end of their ability? Can you just sort of, and obviously that's, you know, for what you went through, that was obviously hugely challenging. Yes, it was very challenging and continues to be challenging. Um, the way I understand poor in spirit, um, another word might be humble. Um, one translation of the gospel says, blessed are those who know their need for God. And in my experience, looking back now, although much of what I did when I was healthy and capable was done to the, to the glory of God, I can also see how much of my own efforts and strength were involved in everything I did. Now, just to survive each day, 
to reach out to others, to give my love to others requires that I trust daily, hourly on the strength of God. Oh, wow. So that, that really, yeah. So, so you, you, you're aware how much you need God every moment, every that's, hour. That's correct. Um, yeah. Rather than, you know, God is just somewhere there to help sort out my problems and let me move on with my life. It's about being in deep living relationship and communion with him. So uh, thank you for sharing that. Um, so, so, yeah, so, so, tell, so you, that's your journey in a sense of how God has spoken to you through, through the Beatitudes. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you've got some others, but anything else you, you want to share first of all about, about your own journey? Um, only to say that it's an ongoing journey. Um, although I did come to a point of peace and acceptance, I think um, in many of our lives, we're faced with um, long-term challenges um, in our professions, in our personal lives, where again and again, we have to turn back to God and accept his will. And um, perhaps that's part of being poor in spirit, is accepting that it's a long-term way of life, that we are not in control, and turning the wheel over to God repeatedly. Yeah, because part of us sort of says we want to graduate and sort of move out of that dependency. And I think what God is saying again and again is, no, I want you to stay close to me, to stay close in relationship. And I will use suffering and pain and problems to help you to see how much you need me and how much you need to live in dependence on me. And I think what's fascinating from the book, obviously I've only come across it today, but you've got two stories, one about your father with Alzheimer's and one about your sister um, with Down syndrome, two people in huge dependency. Um, and we look at such people and we, from a human perspective, we can look at them with pity and sympathy. And yet they've got a lot to teach us in their disability about what it means to live in close relationship and dependence on God in the day to day. Why don't we start by hearing a little bit about your father? That's the first chapter, and you just called it Dad. Uh, tell us about your father, because I think he was quite a... He'd, he'd achieved a lot, and yet he had appeared on the surface, well, obviously, early in, in his younger ages, as very capable, very much uh, a very capable man who could do so much, and yet that changed. Yes, my father was a... Um a naval officer in the U.S. Navy during World War II, stationed in the Philippines, um, actually became a pacifist while he was over in the Philippines, returned to America, determined to give his life to the cause of peace and humanitarian aid in some way, met my mom, who was a professional soprano singer, both very, very gifted people, um, cycled through Europe for a year searching for a cause that they could commit their lives to after the war, Um, eventually met up with the Bruderhof communities and joined, and very quickly my father, my parents were in leadership roles, very capable, very respected counselors, pastors. Um, my, My parents helped to found one of the Bruderhof communities in 1971, My father was very um, a brilliant man, very knowledgeable in um, world history and understanding politics and the human condition, and able, very articulate, able to express himself well. 
um, very looked up to. And then at the age of 70, um, he began to develop Alzheimer's. And amazingly enough, Alzheimer's transformed my father into, I can only say, he was someone who by the end of his life, everyone loved. He, he was endeared to everyone in a very profound way because he allowed his disability to lead him to God and to the people around him. Rather than fight it, he embraced it. And In what way did he embrace it? He embraced the help that I had to give him as his daughter. Um, so rather than fighting it and being angry with you or angry with life and God, he, he, thanked, he, he thanked you? He thanked me many times and would weep and say, I don't know what I would do without you. And um, he would tell me that my brain feels like mush, and, and yet I have you. And he, more and more, um, whereas before he had been a person very much in control um, and, and in leadership roles, he became like a child, and he was happy to live in the present moment, smoking his pipe on the back porch with me at his side, with children coming by to show him the flower they had just picked or a stick they had found on the side of the road. He would tell the young boys about being in the Boy Scouts and how to light a fire using two sticks. And his world became very much one of, of actually savoring the moment and loving those around him in a very simple, childlike way. And in that way, caring for my father for the 15 years he suffered from Alzheimer's was a profound experience for me and taught me a great deal about what it means to be transformed into people of God's kingdom. Wow, that's fascinating. And I think, again, in a world that, that celebrates accomplishment and achievement and expertise and power, there is something that we can learn from people who go through Alzheimer's and disability, as you're saying, about embracing the present moment, embracing the world, not as we would want it, but the way that it is. Um, that's really very powerful. Let's talk about your sister, because she had Down syndrome, um, and the way that she influenced you. Yes, my sister Louisa was um, almost two years older than I, actually. You're one of 11. That's amazing. Yes, she was number 10, and I was number 11. Um, she was born with an inoperable heart defect, an atrioventricular septum defect that developed into pulmonary hypertension, um, from which she suffered greatly throughout her life. Um, it was progressive. Her last 13 years were um, of extreme physical suffering, um, shortness of breath. Um, she was very cyanotic. She was winded by just getting up and moving three feet in a room. Um, and yet, she had a life force and a joy in life and love for others that I've never experienced in, an, in another human being. Mm -hmm. um, it was almost as if through her suffering, her suffering, as I said in my introduction, it honed in her the qualities that there was a braveness in her and um, she pushed through her pain to rise above it spiritually and 
For her, every day was truly a gift, and she enjoyed life to the full, to the very end, and um, even said to us that my task in life is to bring joy. So she had an inherent knowledge that that's what her life was about. And so she would, as we, she would accept people for who they were. She would, she'd have no pretenses. Now, this is a fascinating thing, because, I mean, I suppose both the example of your father with Alzheimer's and your sister with her um, Down syndrome reveals something about a childlike simplicity, not childishness, but childlike simplicity. And I think that's one of the things we're losing in this world because we've got lots of problems, lots of difficulties in maybe in our personal lives, global issues, uh, and we can't make sense of it. And we, we're very quick to fret and worry and um, go into the future about what if this happens, what if that happens. Tell us about what it means to live in childlike simplicity and why that's so important. And again, why it's different from childishness. Because obviously, yeah, help us to tease that out. I think that'd be really helpful, um, Rebecca. Yes, well, I think childlikeness is um, a matter of accepting that we don't need to figure things out ourselves. We don't need to make sense of the world and of life. Because maybe part of the problem is when we do that, we're putting ourselves in the place of God. We're saying, God, you have to explain everything to me. You have to show me. And until you do, I'm going to be miserable and angry and frustrated. But that's not the answer. No. And when when a person is childlike, they just simply trust God. It's like they let go of the uh, control that they had or needed to have um, and simply live in trust. And it's it frees a person to just be who they are. Um, one story on this with my father, people had come to him all his life to help um, understand what was happening in the world, in world politics, the dynamics between the nations and governments and political parties, and he could always unravel that for people. And um, after he'd had Alzheimer's a number of years, somebody came to him who didn't realize that he had Alzheimer's and started asking him about a political situation in the world. And my dad looked at them and said, you know, the world's going to have to take care of itself now. Wow. That was a profound... And so he'd, he'd in his weakness, given it over to, to the God who is ultimately in control and can make sense of it all and knows the present, the past, the future. Yeah. And yet he could do that in his, yes. in his Alzheimer's. That's fascinating. Yes. And with humor. And um, somehow... He had let go of everything, and my sister lived her whole life in a state of letting go of the need to, to control anything, and she simply trusted that she would be cared for through through those of us that loved her, and it gave her the freedom to just simply be and to celebrate life as a gift and um, enjoy the simple things. Um, to the full, enjoy each person she met, enjoy celebrating everything that life brought her way. And I really do think that's something that's being lost in our modern society. Yeah. So in a sense, grasping what it means to be fully human and being made in the image of God. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we learn from children. Because children, in, in a sense on their best days, because obviously I've had four children of our own and, and just thinking about them when they're younger, the ability to embrace what life brings um, and to go with that flow. Um, I'm talking about 
on their best days. <laughs> and they live in the present moment. Yeah. You know, if I look at myself and so many of us in, in the modern world, we're very consumed with so many things. We're multitasking. Mm. Um, while we're talking to someone, we've got 10 other things on our mind and we can't give another person our full attention. Um, and then getting our self-worth from achievement and success and thinking that if I have this, I get that, then I know I'll then finally be happy. But then the goalposts keep moving. And you, you get one thing and then you want the next thing, you get the next thing. Um, yeah, t- t- anything further you want to add on that? Yes, and I think also being childlike is a matter of um, not needing to keep up with the world's expectations of what it means to be great. Um, my sister... She just was who she was. She didn't need to compare herself with anyone else. And the same with my father in his Alzheimer's. He had let go of the need to be seen as somebody in control, and therefore he was quite happy to just be in his current situation. And I think a lot of us experience tremendous pressure from the need to meet societal expectations, whether they're spoken or unspoken, um, in our careers, in our churches even. Mm. And um, my father and my sister taught me the gift of seeing life through God's eyes as a gift and living in the present moment and not looking back and not looking forward. I'm reminded as you talk of a quote from C.S. Lewis who said that he, he or she who has God and everything has no more than he who has God alone. And I think I understand by that is that if God is infinite goodness and love and mercy and grace and is preparing something wonderful for his, for his children in eternity, that nothing I achieve or do in this life can compare to his love and what he's preparing for those who love him. Yes, I think that's true. And I caught a glimpse of that um, at the end of my sister and my father's lives as they looked to the next world. Um, God was very close to them as a tangible presence. And especially with my father, um, over his last two months when he'd stopped eating, uh, it was as if he was living stretched between this world and the next. And he would often... um, reach out to something I couldn't see and his eyes would light up and he would say, can you see how beautiful it is? And it was almost as if by letting go of of the things of this world that we cling to, it allowed him to be drawn into something even more wonderful. So what I'm hearing you saying and what sounds very fascinating from this book, obviously none of us, in a sense, choose the suffering, as it were. So it's, it's... you know, everything is a gift from God. So if I have health and ability, that's a gift from God. And obviously God can take that. So I live each day thankful for what he's given me. The, whatever, you know, with my limitations. All of us have limitations. <laughs> even, you know, even if I'm fit and healthy, I've got limitations. Um, just for some people, it's just more obvious if they've got Alzheimer's or, or Downs or, as in your case, a, a, a physical illness as well that, that limits your mobility. Or, but that still means that because God is infinite goodness and love, I can still rejoice in him, I can still find joy in him. And maybe that's what disability shows us, that, that it, it's, um, that we can find God, in, we can find God and we can find joy. Because blessed means happy, you know, blessed means happy, doesn't it? It means happy. Um, 
Yeah, do you want to say any more about that? Um, only just to say that, especially with my father, well, and my sister too, um, I think what's shown through is the beauty of the soul. And um, we, in our human society, we think we're very civilized and, and have it all together. But actually, it's the things of the soul that are eternal and that matter. And as suffering strips us of our human capabilities, it allows the beauty of the soul and the human being created in God's image to shine through. And that is what is eternal. Yeah. And I think in that way, suffering is a blessing in that it, it points out to us those things in life, in human life, that are dross, and those things that have eternal value. And that's powerful because ultimately we're all going to suffer in one way or another. We don't want to think about it. We want to think about, you know, we, we, we celebrate youth and we celebrate physical strength and power. But ultimately that's all going to go. Um, we have other podcasts on um, with um, John Wyatt on dying well and what does it mean to die well. Um, I, other listeners will, who've listened to the podcast regularly will know that um, a pivotal moment in my life was on the 17th of March 2014 when... A good friend of mine died suddenly at the age of 32. Uh, that completely shook my world. Um, but I think all these, all these forms of suffering and pain are a reminder that actually we are incredibly fragile and everything is ultimately by the grace of God and everything is a gift of God. And our only response is grateful acknowledgement to the Lord for, for each day he's given us and to live that mindful of him um, and realizing that it's all by his grace. It's not because of my goodness, not because of my works. I can't do anything further to, to make him love me more. And I think that's, I mean, yeah, these lovely stories from your father and your sister, as it were, force us to, well, if we, we want to, to, to really see that, that God loves them just as much as he loves you and me, you know, with our full faculties. It's, it's not about that. And that every human life is precious and I think particularly in a day and age you know, we, we've been at this conference we've been even talking about artificial intelligence we've been talking about advances but at the end of the day and that's fascinating you know ultimately it's about that life with God the unseen life with God the soul and who I'm becoming in Christ that is the most important thing yes and Jesus speaks of um, storing up treasures in heaven where they will not be um where they will not decay and I think the treasures in heaven are the encounters that we have with other people especially with those who are suffering um, and I think of that a lot now in my hospice work that each encounter I have with a dying patient is a treasure in heaven and you're walking on holy ground in a sense yes. and we're in the presence of God and um, I think in our daily encounters with one another in modern society on the train, um, very few people are really connecting with the soul next to them. We're all wrapped up in our own worlds, in our technology, and the gift of caring for someone who is stripped bare of all their human capabilities and dependent gives us a, a window into their soul. And to me, that those are the treasures in heaven. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Any final thoughts you want to share with us? Just to encourage um, anyone listening that um, 
as Christians, I feel that we are called to be light and salt in this world, and part of that is in mirroring to the world God's gift of the soul and um, looking beyond all the human things that distract us to the beauty of the human soul. Well, thank you so much, Rebecca, for such a rich conversation and giving us some real hope and light about what it means to live in a challenging and complex world. The book, just to remind you again, is Broken But Blessed, Journeying from Pain to Peace with Unlikely Guides by Rebecca Doma. Um, Rebecca, it's, it's available on Amazon, do you know, as well? And we'll put, we'll put some links on, on, on the website to that. But thank you so much for your time and thank you for sharing with us. Thank you. If you've enjoyed today's conversation, you can get all the show notes for this episode from drsunil.com. And could you do us a favour? Head over to iTunes to rate the programme. This is by far the best way to get this content into the hands of those who need it most. Also, do you think about who you could pass details of the podcast on to? Don't forget to check out the blog for more great content. That's drsunil.com, helping you to make sense of life in a challenging and complex world. Until next time, goodbye for now.